0: I'm excited to welcome Sarah Elbow to this podcast. She is a conflict coach, a certified workplace mediator and trainer, as well as an HR consultant. She gets called in when people have conflict in a workplace and someone needs to come mediate, if someone has a difficult time with mental health in the workplace, or if a team needs to restore their ability to collaborate or improve their company culture. And as all that shows, Sarah really cares about people's well-being in the workplace and wants to make sure that we are trained and equipped to navigate, prevent, and recover from conflict. And so I'm thrilled to have her on this podcast and to have an honest, open conversation about What conflict looks like, why it's a tricky thing for us to learn, why 70% of employees actually avoid conflict, and how we can start building the skill of navigating conflict on a consistent basis so that, one, we get better at having constructive, not destructive conflict, or that we can de-escalate or prevent conflict from arising in the first place. If you're in a conflict situation right now and need some one-off help, someone to talk to or talk through a conflict situation in a one-off call or in a longer engagement, or you want support for your team, Sarah will be the go-to person, in my opinion. Without further ado, let's dive in and welcome Sarah to the podcast. Here's the question. How do you successfully transition into your first official leadership role? Build the confidence and competence to lead your team successfully, and establish yourself as a respected and trusted leader across the organization? That's the question, and this show provides the answers. Welcome to the Manager Track Podcast. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw, and I'm on a mission to create workplaces where work is not seen as a source of stress and dread, but as a source of contribution, connection, and fulfillment. And this transition starts with developing a new generation of leaders who know how to lead so everyone wins and grows. In the show, you learn how to think, communicate, and act as the confident and competent leader you know you can be. Hi, Sarah. Good to have you on. Thanks for joining thanks. us for the Manager Track podcast. Thanks how are you doing? for joining me, Ramona. Yeah, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks. How about you?
0: Thank you. Excited to talk to you. We're going to talk about conflict, which is usually not my favorite <laughs> topic, <laughs> but we're going to make it fun and very interesting and particularly very useful, I think, for you know, we all are in conflict situations. I was just telling you (laughs) before we started recording that I'm in a personal conflict situation right now. And so I'm eager to have the conversation and also learn. I think it's a skill I'm constantly trying to improve on because of personal relationships, but also professional relationships because conflict is inevitable when we're working with other people, isn't it?
1: Exactly. You said it. It's it's inevitable. We're always going to get into situations where we don't agree or have incompatible needs, wants, preferences, can be challenges to our identity or our values. It is going to come up when we're interacting with other people. And I think you said it there, we worry so much about it. And I think that's one of the reasons that it becomes really, really challenging for people.
0: Yeah. I'm going to bookmark that. I want to get back to the worry. Before we jump in, Sarah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, um, I sure. I already read the bio to the audience, but what are some other unique things or what got you into this role?
1: So let me start there. I mean, that's, I started doing this work because I had gone through a bunch of workplace conflict myself and, you know, I was in, um, it was back when I was in school a couple of years ago. I mean, I've done a number of things over the years. Um, I've trained in mental health. I've always worked in small business and I was, uh, I was back in, in business school And I was going through workplace conflict, so I was sharing that story with a number of people, and then they were, in turn, sharing their stories with me around what they were going through in their workplace. And I just remember one day sitting there being like, this is not okay. Like, we spend so much time at work with people that we have to, uh, you know, we're expected to get along with why are we all dealing with this? And it was, you know, for certain people, it was to the point of being really detrimental to their mental health. So I'm like, okay, there's a link here, started to look for, you know, what are some ways that we can deal with? And that was really where I got into conflict coaching and mediation you know, I I think it's important that people understand you may not reduce conflict in your workplace, but what we're trying to do is get it constructive as opposed to destructive. So constructive conflict is really when we're talking about solving problems, dealing with tasks. We take out that, like the personal element to it on the destructive side is really where we're, you know, there's a lot of challenging emotions, you know, personal attacks, that kind of thing. That's not productive in the workplace. But like we said earlier, I think it's really important that people understand conflict is inevitable. We are going to get into situations where we don't agree with other people, or we have to advocate for a position, or you know, or call something out. But it's how can we do it in a constructive way that leads to more trust between employees, that leads to uh, more innovation and creativity, and just giving people a space where they can have some of those difficult conversations and trust that that they're for a reason. That something's going to come out of it. Something's going to improve.
0: Yeah. You know, as you were talking about the difference between constructive and destructive conflict, it occurred to me that when I think of constructive conflict, even though it may be really hard, I feel that there's this underlying sense of safety or security in a situation where I think this is actually constructive, like this helps us get through an issue or something challenging, and it will maybe even make us have a better relationship afterwards. But I never feel like the ground is shaking or cracking and I could fall. It always feels, no, I'm on solid ground. This relationship is on solid grounds. The moment that it starts feeling destructive is when I think the whole thing, like I said, we're in an earthquake. The whole thing could look very differently and may not even be there anymore at the end of it. Yeah. Is that a common distinction? Absolutely. And the, the more
1: the more high stakes some of these conversations are, like the more we have to lose um, or the more that our values, our identity, uh, our needs are impacted, that's when it tends to veer off into some of that destructive territory. But I want to pull out two of the words that you mentioned there because I think this is really foundational in terms of how we keep things constructive and that's trust and safety so there's a lot of talk right now around uh, psychological safety and then in Canada we use the term psychological health and safety so it's very much related to mental health but one of the foundational principles there is that people have the ability and the space to to share what they need to even if it's not you know totally positive or you know people have the space to speak truth as opposed to just what they think the organization needs to hear. Um, They're not avoiding difficult conversations. And the the part of that is trust. When there's trust there, that, you know, that your job is secure, that the person that you're talking to is going to actually act on something, or, or at least, you know, maybe if they can't act on it, they're at least going to seriously consider it, that the person cares about you to some extent. Once those things are there, it makes it so much easier to have those kinds of conversations. And it brings down that emotional intensity as well.
0: Yeah, I definitely see that. So the leaders that are listening, what can they do ahead of time? Because I can imagine sometimes you might be there as a mediator and you think like, well... We could have done something preventative if I had been called in earlier. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's usually our first thought as yeah. leaders.
0: <laughs> You're and the if coach, you right? Yeah, I get these situations. So, what is it that leaders can do to prevent falling into this situation where they're dealing with destructive? So, so getting out in front
1: of it early and often, uh, just having conversations with people around, you know, even just checking in with how they're doing can be really, really helpful. I'm going to just pull something up quickly because I want to reference something here. It's a book by uh, Charles Feldman. It's called The Thin Book of Trust. And he outlines four components of trust that are really important. And all of his research was done in the workplace as well. But one of the things that he found was that anytime there interpersonal conflict or politics are like the inability for people to get things done or stay the same Um, like people like if they're not caring or having like a negative attitude a lot of the time it's traced back to a breakdown in trust and then you know there's the accompanying challenging emotions there and on the flip side when successful companies where they're innovative they have constructive conflict and like they're debating ideas people are having fun working together that's where you typically find more strong trusting relationships so mm. beltman's four components are um, sincerity so I mean what I say um, I say what I mean and I act accordingly Mm
0: -hmm. competence
1: is I know I can do this and I know that I need to learn something else Mm -hmm. reliability you can count on me to deliver what I promised and then care so we're in this together I'm going to add one more to this as well, and that's clarity. Especially in the workplace, you need people to have clarity around their roles, what's expected of them, what performance looks like, what they need to do to advance. So trying to get out in front of some of the assumptions and expectations, that's one of the things that we're assuming about other people, like we the expectations that we have about them and that we're not actually verbalizing to them. These can make for some really challenging conversations as well, because we've got stuff going on in our head that the other person doesn't know about. And likewise, they have things that are going on in their head that we don't know about. So the clarity around that is another big, big component of trust. For new managers, you know, one of the things you can do is just try to externalize these things. I was just reading something earlier about, so I was talking about managers responding quickly to employee emails. To the extent that you can do that, that's going to demonstrate to them that, you know, you care about what they're saying. You're on top of what they're doing. You're, you, you know, you're being responsive to them because they matter to you. Not everybody has the ability to to do that. If you can't, just let people know so that they're not making an assumption. Get out in front Mm. of those kinds of things.
0: Like you could let people know, hey, I saw your email come through. I will catch up in a week or so. I'm currently swamped. Something like that. Exactly, exactly. Even at the beginning of
1: the day, hey, I've got a whole, I'm back to back meetings all day. I may not be checking my email for a couple hours. I will get to it. You know, if if something comes up in that time, I will get to it. If it's really important, just text me or something like that, or text, you know, or get message this person or just, you know, just letting people know what's going on. And, you know, for managers, letting them know what's going on with you can also be really helpful.
0: Mm, So good. Okay. Recapping this sincerity, reliability, transparency, now, what was that? Competence. Competence, Competence. and okay. care. Yes. And like, I and like care. to
1: add clarity into that as well.
0: <laughs> and then clarity. Uh, okay. So these are the five things to pay attention to. And when I think about how to do this, one of the things that you said is, you know, Address it upfront, help people not make assumptions. Because, yeah, I often say that when we don't tell the story, other people will make up a story. And usually, when we make up stories, we make it all about us. We take it very personal. It's not a good, happy story. Yeah.
1: And that's one other of other the happy ending. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of our cognitive biases as well, where we assume positive intent on our own behalf, but we assume negative intent on other people's behalf. So it's really easy for an employee to be like, you know, oh, they didn't answer my email today. Because they don't care about what I'm doing, or you know what I mean? Like, it's Mm -hmm. really easy for that to spiral as opposed to us being like, they must have just been really busy today. You know, there can be a simple answer for these things. Um, so one of the things I recommend people do is also you know, look for, for multiple explanations for things. Sometimes that's what we'll do in terms of, you know, if we're perceiving a conflict with another yeah. person is just really looking at what are some of the reasons why they may have acted a certain way or said a certain thing or you know, what might they have meant by that. Um, so looking at a range of, of possibilities as opposed to getting really stuck on what we think when we were acting on very limited information.
0: Yeah. When we're making assumptions. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. So these are the things and it seems like a lot of it boils down to communication, proactive communication, which by mm-hmm. the way, I think sometimes we are super busy with work back-to-back meetings, like a long to-do list and communication is the thing that falls short because it's not on
1: our to-do mm-hmm. list. <laughs> and, I, and I think it's, you know, it's it's a big challenge
0: for managers, yeah. especially
1: new managers. is just to to have a sense of like, what's the cadence that I need to have with my employees in terms of checking in with them? There was a study that that came out a little while ago where employees wanted more regular check-ins with their managers Mm -hmm. than what they were getting. Like they weren't satisfied with the frequency of Mm check-ins. And I think that there may be a bit of an assumption again, that, you know, managers have to spend like an hour a week with each employee in that. And that's, you know, Likely not going to have the time to do that, but what do you have the time for? So depending on how many employees you have that uh, that you're responsible for, you know, can you spend, you know, 10 minutes a week or 50 minutes a week or, but just something frequent and consistent. Yeah. When you get that consistency there, that comes back to that reliability and the care. So there's going to be a whole number of different things that you can do as a manager that is going to touch on a couple of those different components.
0: Yeah. Another one that I like is to really ask yourself in the morning and even maybe at the end of the day, what is it that I need to share with the team or with someone specific on my team or a stakeholder today? Um, So the, the broader question before we even get into the first meeting is what do I need to communicate about today or about something that I've recently learned or that's coming up? And then at the end of the day, what is it that I need to communicate about what I've learned today or what's coming up? Uh, and make that that a practice.
1: Yeah. It's a really thoughtful approach. And and one of the things that I think you're, you're really getting at by doing that is the preparation. So if you think you're going to have a difficult conversation or or Mm -hmm. something's going to be challenging, what can you do to prepare for that? Get yourself Mm -hmm. ready. Um, This comes up, you know, quite a bit with people who Feel like you know they're getting into these difficult situations and they're freezing, but they don't know what to do. And, and, and you know, that can be a physiological response as well, where people just shut down. So the more of that prep work you can do, like thinking through some of these things, what do I want to communicate to the other person? What's the message that I want them to walk away with? What might be challenging for them to hear? And what do I want to make sure they're getting out of that? How can I support them through that? So really taking that time and being thoughtful with it, that's going to be a huge help going into some of these conversations. But like you were saying there, you know, when you're doing it on a regular basis, it makes having those difficult conversations a lot easier because you've built up that foundation of trust. So it's not, yeah. this, um, you know, this, this big, scary conversation because you barely ever talk to this person and you have no idea how things are going to go.
0: Yeah. And that's when we think this thing could turn into an earthquake.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like we tend to catastrophize those kinds of things.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so what you just talked about with the more that we do it, the more we actually feel, get better at doing it because we feel more comfortable bringing up difficult conversations. I saw this study, it was from a while ago, a few years ago, but it talked about managers feeling uncomfortable communicating with their employees. Uh, This is by Harris Poll, and it said that 69% of managers say that they often feel uncomfortable communicating with employees. 69%. And I think, you know, for anyone listening who's like, yeah, I feel uncomfortable, especially when it's tough feedback or when it's something that they may not like, I don't feel comfortable.
1: It's one of the big fears that come up in, in conflict is the fear of hurting someone else. Yeah. So when there's when there's difficult feedback to be given, we, you know, we want to preserve relationships. We don't want to we don't want to hurt someone else like that. So one of the things that time this, this came up with somebody the other day, and I was working with them on this. Again, we're making an assumption there that what we say Mm -hmm. will hurt them. Mm -hmm. We don't know that. So can we check it out? Can we have a little curiosity around that? Um, And you can, you know, you can ask the person too, if, you know, if they've been impacted by it, but when you go into those things, it's one of the things that you're going to need to do as a manager is give constructive feedback to your employees, Mm -hmm. but can you do it in a way that's supportive for them and going to help them? So one of the things to do there as well is really be clear on what you want the change behavior to be. Mm -hmm. So what are, you know, if you're giving them feedback on something, what, what do you want instead? What would you want to see differently? Being really clear on that and keeping it behavior-based as opposed to like personality-based or in you know, person-based. What did they do that can be changed to something else?
0: And always emphasizing this level of trust or safety. I think that too. When the care yeah, is there. So- yeah, Yeah. you briefly talked about why we avoid conflict. And I think um, I heard you talk about this study that said that 70%, so very similar to the 69%, 70% of employees avoid conflict. And you touched on one of the reasons because we don't want to hurt other people. What else may be driving us to avoid conflict?
1: So that's that's one of the, the four fears that I typically hear from people around why they're avoiding workplace conflict. So, you know, fear of hurting someone else, fear of getting hurt themselves, fear of things just staying the same, like nothing getting done or fear of things getting worse, like experiencing retaliation, something impacting their job security. I think it's really important to note here that, you know, we can be talking about something that's really high stakes here. Like if somebody's relying on, you know, like this is income for people, like this is how they pay their rent, how they pay their bills, um, you know, and finding a job can be really difficult. Like there may be, you know, a, a time frame there that um, that you've got to go through before you get to something else. You might really like your job and just might not like this one person or one aspect of the job. So, you know, it can be really scary for people to think about, um, you know, what, what could happen. And again, we might be going to some of those worst case scenarios like I'm going to be unemployed and you know have a really hard time getting another job. And what am I going to do? How am I going to pay my rent? So you know, the, the higher stakes, these things get, um, the more likely people are to avoid it as well. And, you know, one of the things I also like to, to remind people about is that nobody's born good at dealing with conflict.
0: Oh, so good.
1: Like, <laughs> and you know, we don't <laughs> always learn it along the way. So I, I, you know, I think that's, yeah, it's important to, to, to keep in mind that this is a, it's a very learnable skill. It, but it takes practice it takes preparation mm-hmm but it can be learned. It can be, uh, you know, I've talked to a, a, a you know, a number of past clients that were like, yes, I tried this thing that we talked about and it worked.
0: So mm-hmm. it is, you know, just
1: because you're, you know, you're, you're worrying about it now, feeling uncomfortable with it or not, um, you know, not even trusting your capacity. Like another component of trust is, do we trust ourselves?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, that shows up quite a bit in conflict too. And so that's one of the, you know, another reason why people may be avoiding these kinds of conversations. Yeah. Do, do I trust that I can show up and uh, advocate yeah. for my needs? Uh, you know, am I gonna, you know, say the right thing or the wrong thing? Or
0: yeah, and be be this uncomfortable, yeah. like lean yeah. into this. Yeah. Oh gosh, hundred percent. Before we go into some more strategies or tactics to navigate conflict and get out of conflict situations. Actually, I actually want to talk to you also about the cost of not addressing conflict. So sort of like the, the passive lingering of, of the something we wanted to say, but we don't say it. What happens if we avoid conflict? It's, it, it
1: typically gets worse.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If you know, the, the longer it goes on for it, it typically gets worse. I've talked to a number of people that have, you know, it's gone on for years And when you get to that point, I mean, it's, it's almost, you know, without some kind of intervention, nothing's going to change. Um, and so this, you know, that's one of the places where we would really advocate for mediation because then you have somebody there that is facilitating that conversation, asking those difficult questions, um, you know, working with the emotions in the room and really trying to keep people focused on what we're going to do to move forward. What, what do we want to do differently? Uh, mm-hmm. But it's you know instead of like just rehashing what's happened in the past, of course there's going to be a little bit of that that comes up, but it's like, okay, now what do we need to do to move forward? Mm-hmm. But and that's I, yeah, it, it, you know the other the other part of the cost here, I mean, I forget, I, I know there's a stat on how much time people spend on workplace conflict but if you're if you're thinking about and you're stressed about your workplace conflict you're not being creative you're not being innovative your your productivity is impacted because you're not focusing on the work that you need to be doing and just you know like the the health costs of this the stress that people are going through mm-hmm. uh, yeah yeah and I
0: it's it's interesting. I think we we underestimate this. And especially for leaders, you know, you might de- for those listening, you might be dealing with this but for yourself, but also noticing the impact that if you're not creating safe spaces with your employees for them to bring conflict or things to your attention that they don't like cuz they don't think they can bring it up with you or give you that feedback, or let you know what's going on with them to solicit your support, then they're probably ruminating over something, unable to focus, unable to uh, think creatively or participate. This is sort of the temporary disengagement from work. I hear this all the time where people say to me, yeah, you know, this happened or this email came to me and the rest of the day went to waste because I couldn't focus on anything else. And, and that
1: happens. I mean, we're, we're, we're going to have those kinds of situations where, you know, something comes up and it just, you know, derails our entire day. And so that's, you know, if that happens to one of your employees, you know, you want them to be able to come to you with that and, you know, help them through it. You know, as, as a manager, you may need to step in and mediate at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so how do you bring the people to the table to, to be able to do that? And one of the things that I think in, uh, especially in the workplace, you've got a tool that's really really helpful for you and that's can you tie the conflict to a business problem Mm -hmm. that's the you know one of the things that we want to do in conflict resolution is bring it away from being a me versus you or a win-lose kind of thing we want to bring it to us versus the problem or like that both game um and so when you're able to you know really define what the business problem is then you can you know get the people together to work towards a resolution and so i I find that you know that's people may not like each other they may not you know they they may not want to they may not want to resolve things but if we get them get them back to the business problem it's okay how do we solve that then we're coming back together as a team with a shared goal Hopefully, it's, it's one of the tools you can use in these situations, but, uh, but you know, as a manager, so you've really got to define what that is. What's the mm-hmm. problem with this? When you're talking to your employees, like one of the scripts you can use is, you know, to really notice the behavior, how that behavior is impacting the business problem, and then try to get some buy-in around how can we solve this together. Mm-hmm. What do we need to do to solve this together? And again, you're building some trust there because you're trying to work with them as opposed to just you know giving a directive or giving a correction or something
0: like that. Mm-hmm. So if someone has a very different opinion of how to collaborate or how to address challenges or the decisions that are made that constantly negatively impact the other team, but the other team is not being consulted. And so this is like a constant sort of point of tension And then you could go in and say, what? So can you give us a specific script? What would you say in a situation like this?
1: Well, one of the things I would do in that situation is really check out, you know, that all sounds like a breakdown of trust. Mm -hmm. So there's a distrust of the other team. There's a distrust in the decisions that are being made. That's the first thing to address with the person and really check out, like, you know, what's their expectations? what their assumptions, how would they like to see things differently, because your your employees aren't always going to agree with your decisions, so check it out with them, you know, to the extent that you can. I know as a manager, you have to, you know, sometimes you do have to, you know, you're in a hierarchy, you do have to um, hand down some decisions, but Can you explain where some of them came from so that people understand? If you're getting pushback on something, be curious around it. Try to check out, you know, what's coming up for the person around it. And then you'll have a sense on, okay, here's what we might be able to do differently. Here's how I can involve you in this process. You know, here's how I can explain it to you. You know, you may not agree with it. You may not like it, but here's why we did what we did. And again, showing some trust there that you're giving them the information. You're taking the time to hear their concerns. You're trying to understand them.
0: Okay. So leaning in and asking first, but also would that be then a moment to say, when you do this, then here's the impact on, on our end. Yep. And then that makes me think, or like we like to say, the story I make that I make up in my mind, or what I make that mean is that you're not concerned with our timelines. Exactly. And and really
1: focusing on the behavior, like feedback should be around
0: the behavior. Mm -hmm. So when you change the deadline without informing us, it is hard on our side to then navigate all the work and and meet our deadlines and other responsibilities. And it makes it seem like you're not caring about our workload. Or Mm -hmm. what I make that mean is that you don't care about our workload. Yeah, I, I love that. Like the story I'm telling myself,
1: and then you can also, you know, adding the extra layer to that is asking for what you need. Mm-hmm. Could you run it by me before you're going to change a deadline like that? Can mm-hmm. you check in with the rest of the team? You know, check in on our priorities and see if we're going to be able to meet that deadline before you adjust it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, letting them know, you know, what you need, even why it's important to you, um, just so that they can also,
0: you know, what did you want differently in that situation. Mm-hmm. All the while being curious and trying to see where they're coming from. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and back to BC, that's why this is this is complicated, right? So it's all these different components. And I fully agree with what you said earlier. The more that we prepare, the yeah. more uh, effective we'll likely be in the conversation. So thinking out what is it that they're doing that negatively impacts me? What's the story? What's my interpretation? That I actually not not hundred percent sure. But the, here's what I make this mean. And then what do I need from them? But also what are the questions I need to ask in order to make feel, make sure they feel heard? You're nodding for the <laughs> glass. Exactly. You've listed off
1: everything there. Yeah, um, okay. And, and just, you know, and one thing I wanted to add to that, because I think, yes, this is all well and good. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't have time to prepare. Sometimes, you know, something's just going to, that might be in the middle of the meeting or it might be, you know, someone yeah. you know, grabs you when you're you know, about to go mm-hmm. do something else. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with, taking a pause if you know that you're going to need some time to gather your thoughts or even if you typically find these things really challenging and you know that you can't go to it right away just let the person know that Mm -hmm. like I'm just in the middle of something right now I don't have time to give this mindful attention that I want to and I need to go and get a little bit of information so that I you know properly address your concerns I'll get back to you by this time or I'm going to need an hour or so to do that just you know letting acknowledging that um they've got a concern or they're frustrated with something um, and you know, letting them know that you're taking it seriously. And then you're advocating for your needs. I need some time to to process this or deal with it. Um, just being clear with them around that. So they know what to expect from you.
0: Okay. Love this. I have one more question. Sure. What I hear often is, well, you got to pick your battles, right? Some of the conflict or some of the stuff I don't like, you know, might not be worth it. So, what's your stance? And I, I might have a bit of a controversial opinion on this one, but sure. <laughs> curious to hear your opinion. And what's your stance and advice when people are curious how to pick their battles?
1: I love this question because this is,
0: you know, I, I don't want anybody
1: walking away from this thinking I have to deal with every conflict or I have to address everything or every little thing that comes up. Some things are just inside thoughts. Sometimes we need to just. Take a second, may not need to deal with it right away. You know, a constructive response to conflict can be to delay responding, just taking some time to be thoughtful with it. What I would suggest to people is if avoiding conflict is your go to response, then that's something to look at. But I'm not saying you have to address everything maybe it's just you know a little blip somebody's having a rough day and you know they made a comment that you know you took a little bit more offensive one thing that i i try to encourage people to do when when you're finding you've got an emotional response coming up check in is this a now emotion or is this a back then emotion like is this is the emotion that's coming up for me right now actually related to what's going on and so there's i i I can't remember who i heard this from what might be helpful to think about is if something's come up three times, then you probably want to address it. But if it's, you know, Mm -hmm. if it's a one-off you may not necessarily need to deal with it three times. That might be a time. And, you know, you can always check these things out with other people, like talk, you know, talk to other managers and see what's, um, you know, what they think about the situation. Talk to somebody else that you trust in the workplace or outside of the workplace. You can always get some feedback. I think that's another big thing that people have, as as a perception with conflict, you don't have to deal with it by yourself. Mm -hmm. There are, you know, there's mediators, coaches, professionals like that, that can support you with this kind of thing. You can talk to your HR department, if that's available to you in your organization, talk to your manager, if that's appropriate, you know, talk to a friend that's, you know, maybe in a similar position or has gone through something similar. You don't necessarily just have to process this by yourself.
0: Yeah, very good. And so others can help prepare too, to make sure that you're objective or as exactly. objective as possible. Exactly, you know, if you're worried yeah, yeah. about giving yeah. someone feedback,
1: run it by someone else and see what, you know, how they would interpret it. So yeah. I do, I want to hear your controversial take <laughs> on this though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think people use that at times as an excuse not to not to uh, lean into the uncomfortable conversation. I do think that there is something about to know when is it me and when is it them? and being really mindful about what is my stuff that I need to deal with because I got triggered for something that others may not. And then what part of this is my work to do and I don't need to put it on other people. And then what are things that I actually see this person does and they may not actually know the impact they have on, on other people. Or this is just not something that I can solve by myself. It needs the other person to be aware and for us to work together And I like this idea of thinking about it as a pattern, or does this occur multiple times over and over? It's not a one-off, but I do think with this whole, you got to pick your battles. I think my alarm bells always ring when I hear that. and think like, yeah, and... (laughs) And then, you know, safety might
1: be a concern as well. Um, Or job security might be a concern. So, you know, taking all of these things into consideration, I would say, you know, as a manager you probably want to err on the side of checking in more often than you think you should. Um, yeah. I think, a, you know, a lot of managers do typically try to avoid conflict and avoid that kind of thing. And just, you know, knowing that you know, 70% of people in the workplace yeah. are avoiding this. <laughs> we, we know of us us do. it's a default sure behavior do. and that's, yeah, you know, it's understandable. Exactly. So just, just checking in with people.
0: Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. And I think when we think, Oh, you know what? I got to pick my vials. So I'm going to let that one go. It's really good question to ask yourself, am I letting it go because I realize, no, this is one I can probably solve myself, or this is a one-off and I assume positive intent in the other person, or am I letting it go because I don't have the energy or the capacity or the willingness to engage in a difficult conversation, in which case it'd probably be worth challenging or, you know, taking a note and then maybe next time around, it'd be the time to do it. Uh, But, but not use that as a blanket statement for any conflict and I'm like yeah know, yeah. I would always ask I'm like okay how is this conflict not one to choose why is this battle the one we're going to let go versus another one and being clear of, of that answer I find helpful it's always going to be contextual <laughs> yeah exactly well Sarah thanks so much for coming on talking to us about these difficult conversations in the workplace and the conflict and how that shows up and how to navigate this this was super interesting I know I could talk and I, I need to really, this is something I have to constantly be on, on, on to myself as yeah. well when it comes to conflict. So appreciate it's, it. Great it's to have a you
1: practice on. and it's, you know, it's something that we're, we're always working on and and that's okay. You know, we're, yeah. we're going to have, sometimes it's going to go well. Sometimes it's going to need a little bit more work, but uh, thank you so much for having me on. I know I can talk about this stuff for hours <laughs> as well.
0: <laughs> well, we'll be linking to your LinkedIn profile and your website in the show notes. Is there anything else or any other place you would want to direct people to? I'm usually on, uh, on Instagram a little bit as well. I've got a
1: newsletter that comes out uh, about once a month, give or take <laughs> depending cool. on the month, but anyone that wants to learn more about managing workplace conflict, uh, psychological health and safety, um, and other, you know, HR best practices in the workplace, more focused on the, uh, the interpersonal and conflict side. Uh, that's what I try to share.
0: Check out Sarah Elbow. Thank you so much. Thanks so Thank much for This is great. If you enjoyed this episode, then check out two other awesome resources to help you become a leader people love to work with. This includes my best-selling book, The Confident and Competent New Manager, which you can find on Amazon or at RamonaShaw.com book and a free training on how to successfully lead as a new manager. You can check it out at RamonaShaw.com masterclass. These resources and a couple more you'll find in the show notes down below.